Hale Varsity Radio every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hale Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hale Varsity Radio. Thanks for downloading the Nick Bob podcast, giving it a listen. And speaking of downloading, make sure you are doing just that. And in fact, uh, take it a, a step further. You see that little subscribe button you can click? Just just click that button right there. If you can give it a, uh, a review, give it a rating, uh, really would appreciate that. Uh, all that stuff helps. Uh, reminder, you can listen to my podcast on nickbod.com. I know a lot of people uh, can consume their podcasts in a variety of ways. There's just another way if uh, you, you want to listen to it there. There's a lot of different ways for you to, uh, to consume it. So really, there's no excuse. Like, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to, Nick, I can't find it. No, I don't want to hear that, okay? I don't, I don't want to hear that crap. I, I really, really don't. I am beyond excited to, uh, to, to have this guy in the pod. Like, beyond excited. Eric Crouch. Perhaps you've heard of him. Heisman Trophy winner. Former Husker. M- former Millard North Mustang. Uh, I, I've, I feel like I've, I've been watching Eric from afar for a long time. So my cousin, Mick Botner, went to Millard North, was at, uh, played defensive back at Nebraska, really good friends with Eric Crouch. And so I knew about Eric when he was at Millard North. And so when he arrived at Nebraska, I was super excited to be able to watch him play. And I always tell people that in my – this is just me. First of all, he's my all-time favorite quarterback in the history of Nebraska football. And in terms of just pure ability to run the option, he's the best option quarterback I've ever seen. I mean, I, getting getting ready to, uh, to chat with Eric, I, I was kind of going down the YouTube rabbit hole of different highlights and different stuff, and it's like, man, this, this dude, this dude was – he. It's pretty rare you find a quarterback that has all of these traits. He was physical. Like, he could run in between the tackles. He could run over backers. I mean, you remember the infamous play against Iowa where he hits the sideline and trucked an Iowa defensive back, and if I'm not mistaken, he broke his collarbone. Bro- I mean, th- So this dude had power. This dude was elusive. He could make you miss. I mean, go watch the 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 you know one of his two big Heisman moments, the ninety-five yard scramble run against Missouri. Uh, I mean, he is making dudes miss left and right. So he was elusive, and then he also had top end speed. When that guy got to the second level, and he had a crease, he was going to house call that thing. And you combine all those things with just a great natural instinct to run. It, to me, he he is the best option quarterback I've ever seen. And what he did in his Heisman Trophy winning season in 2001 was just nothing short of remarkable. Uh, just an incredible season. So reliable, so durable, so dependable, so tough. And, you know, he was a part of one of the five most, maybe even three, I was thinking about this, the most iconic plays in Nebraska football history. 
I think you got, you know, the Johnny Rogers punt return against Oklahoma. You know, the man, woman, and child, he put him in there. You have that. You have uh, maybe Tommy Frazier's run against Florida in the 95 Fiesta Bowl. Um, you have Matt Davison, you know, uh, the catch against uh, Missouri in 1997. Uh, but you also got to have, uh, you know, Black 41 flash reverse, the stunts to crouch Oklahoma play. And so this is a guy that not only is – uh, won a Heisman Trophy, but he had one of the most. He was a part of one of the most iconic plays, one of the four or five most iconic plays in Nebraska football history. Um, and so I, I'm I'm super excited to uh, to have you guys listen to this. He was Eric was awesome, and I thought you know he's the perfect guy to have on right now to not only go down memory lane with him, but you know what's he seeing with with Martinez? What's he seeing with the offense? Is he's you know, does he think Martinez is uncomfortable? Does uh, what's he seeing with with that quarterback spot? Uh, and then you know, you forget that he was a teammate of Scott Frost. His redshirt freshman year at Nebraska was 1997, so he was around Frost for an entire year. What was Frost like as a player? So whether it's to talk about Frost, talk about the team, talk about the offense, talk about the quarterback position, he he's the perfect guy to have on. And. Uh, it, it, it was interesting. That I, I asked Eric about, you know, what it, what it's like to be the quarterback at Nebraska from a pressure and scrutiny standpoint. I thought his answer was, answer was interesting. So uh, I, I, this is a thrill. I mean, again, uh, I've you know had Jason Peter on this podcast, and now I'm talking to Eric Crouch. I mean, if you'd have told Nick Baugh from 1995, 1997, 2000, until I was going to be talking to these guys, I'd have fallen over, man. I mean, these guys are like. You know, Husker legends in, in not only my mind, but a lot of your guys' mind. So without further ado, uh, here is my conversation with former Heisman Trophy winner, former Husker quarterback, Eric Crouch. Well, this is a uh, this is a thrill. Eric Crouch, former Heisman Trophy winner, uh, Miller North Mustang, if you will, uh, joins us now on the Nick Bob Podcast. Uh, Eric, man, how, how's it going, man? This is a thrill. I, I really appreciate you being on. I'm doing great, man, and I appreciate you having me on the show, and uh, I'm ready to talk football. I mean, I uh, saw uh, Miller North play this year. They kind of had a, a tough start, but it looks like they've, like usual, they're coached well, and kids are relentless, and they're starting to, to play some really good football here in the meat of the season, so I'm hoping the same thing happens in Nebraska. Yeah, okay, so you bring up going down, I want to go down memory lane a little bit with you, and then we'll get to, to uh, talking a little bit about this year's Nebraska football team. Uh, so you bring up Miller North. You ran the option in high school. So how much did that help you when you got to Nebraska? I'd have to imagine you th- that helped a lot because it's not necessarily the most natural thing to to learn and run. Well, it's really just a, a comfort level of making reads uh, quickly, and uh, you know a lot of practice with your fullback and with your running backs and your center. Everything is timing, um, and it happens so fast, and you know, reads change, and you got to make sure that you know you're hooking up with your fullback at the precise time, and that you're giving that read enough time. And then when you pull that ball, you got to know where you're heading to next, and it's all downhill. Uh, you should never be uh, running backwards or to the sideline. Everything's got to be great angles. And yes, you're right. I mean, it was a lot of work. Um, a lot of time with that group of 
of players that I just mentioned, but it, it makes sense. I mean, you, you need you need that type of timing, and you need that camaraderie with your backs uh, to be able to get some late pitches and you know run run it at a at a high high rate of success. Yeah, did you did you know? I always kind of call different things like whether it's running the option or even doing something like a point guard in basketball. Like all of a sudden, you kind of see the offense, and you're almost like Neo in the Matrix. Like you totally understand exactly who you're optioning off of, and all those things. Did that pop for you at Miller North, or did it really pop for you when you got to Nebraska with a totally understanding every single intricacy of of running the option? Well. It popped at North North just because we did it so many times. Like the, the minute I got in there right after eighth grade, going into my freshman year, we are we're looking up at the, the center, the fullback, the wing backs. You know, you pitch me on. We did so much of it. I mean, the, the timing, the work that you put in. I, mean, I just remember the days of, you know, going in before and getting 30 minutes in with your group and then going after school and getting another 30 to 45 minutes in. So at the end of the day, and you're putting in one to one and a half hours of mesh work with those guys, and you do that every day of the week for four years in high school, you got that down. Um, and you're right, it is kind of like a certain thing happens around you where things yeah. just start to slow down, and you get it. And when I mean slow down, I mean the processing starts to slow down in your head where it's everything's not racing. You just understand it, and you'll be able to like pick up things and react naturally. and I uh, understand, well, I've got a pitch guy this time. Okay, this time I don't. All right, the fives move to a three. That's my read now. There's just all these things that are happening, and it does take a little bit of time, but, you know, what a fun offense to run. Oh, I, I really miss seeing schools run that, you know, power offense, uh, option attack, because I do feel like it's it's a good one. It just takes so much time. But I will say this. I will say this. Um, when zone read became popular, it became popular because of the reason of you're already back there and your angles are all already downhill versus hooking up and finding the fullback. You're so tight to the line. It happens so much faster. But you go to the shotgun, which everybody's running now, and those reads take a little bit longer to develop so you have more time. Yeah. And when you're closer to the line of scrimmage, you're, sometimes you are like a, one man away from being tackled. Right. One man away from your lead versus, you know, back five yards. Okay. You got a little space in there, you know, to make things happen. And it's, it doesn't have to happen in such a short window. Yeah. So I think I, that's why everybody's gone to this. Do you think you'd have been better? Do you think it'd have been easier? It sounds like you're saying it'd have been easier to run kind of the, the RPOs with depth and, and, and all those things. That's the thing. It's like, uh, you're, uh, you're, you know, the nose tackle penetrates it all and it can blow up the timing or the, the entire play. Do you feel like you'd have been better in an RP, a true RPO? Um, I, you know, I don't know if I necessarily would have been better, but that we wouldn't have had to put in the hours. And, okay. You know, that's the reason right now that that happens is you don't have to put in that much time. You know, you can get a guy back there and, you know, obviously you got to work on your reads and you got to work on the mesh with your running back, but, you know, you don't have to, uh, spend the time doing that under center just right. because that happens so much quicker and the angles change. I mean, it's, it's a complicated, you know, but for what we're talking about, uh, the angles change. You don't need to put as much time that most kids can pick that up and uh, make that lead out of shot. It's much easier. Yeah, I was, you know, so getting ready to chat with you last night, I was watching, I was, you know, reading up and I was watching some old highlight films and I'm with you. I just, I'm a sucker for that <laughs> style of offense, man. I, I, cause that's kind of, I mean, I'm a Nebraska born and raised just like you. That's kind of yep. what we were, we were, 
raised on. I just, even when, I'm not going to lie, Eric, when like, when Army is on TV, I'm all in, man. I just, I love watching option football. I'm the same way. It just brings back some great memories and you understand what they're going through and what it takes to to run something uh, so special. Right. It's not seen very often. Um, And that's why it's a big offense. It really is. And, And you know what? You can control the clock. Yep. Uh, you pretty much dominate the. I mean, they're going to have to dominate the line of scrimmage. Uh, you're taking one, maybe two guys off the defense. Those are your lead guys. So now it's nine versus eleven. I mean, um, if it's run right, it's hard to stop. Were you as excited as everyone else was when when against Ohio State when the boys got in the the wing and and, and ran a little option? Yeah, I saw that. That one tight end set, they ran some option and uh, got underneath the lead. And Martinez looks pretty natural at that. I'm I'm hoping that. Uh, you know that that can happen a little bit more, where maybe we shift in and out of that and and uh, create a little bit of attention on the defense. Yeah, uh, Eric, I, I was uh, there were, I was listening to Frost talk about uh, Noah Vedral and how he liked that he was a multi-sport athlete and you know he ran track and all those things. You ran track, right? You you were a you were a hundred meter guy, right? I did. I ran track. Um, actually, I ran track at Nebraska, uh, indoor, outdoor. I don't know too many people. I didn't make. I didn't. I ran in a few meets, not too many of them. I was really recovering from surgeries usually, and I would come out late, and these guys would already be in great shape and wouldn't stand a chance. But, right. um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was a lot of fun, high school, college track. Do you, I mean, did that – you know, I'd imagine all those things translate on some level. I mean, track, it's like pretty easy to connect the dots. It makes you faster. Like, I mean, because you were one of those guys, <laughs> even though you had power, like when you got to that second level and there was a seam, you were usually – not going to get caught. Like, did you feel like track really made a difference for you in football? Well, I, you know, I'm preaching it to my son right now about running track and he's kind of wavering a little bit and I hope he makes a good decision to do it. But, it, you know, I like to compete. Uh, I like to train. I like to challenge my, my body. And I think that's what put me over the edge. I mean, I, I can't sit here and say like, I'm the greatest athlete or I was the fastest or the strongest or the smartest, but I would tell you that I did, I did train hard and I did put in, you know, hours um, beyond what most people probably were willing to do. And sometimes that's what it takes. Not everybody has, you know, the athletic ability of like a Kyler Murray or, a, you know, a Russell Wilson, and you know, I mean, mm-hmm. or Patrick Mahomes, you know, these guys are super, super gifted at what they're able to do. And, uh, but if you're willing to, you know, put in a little extra time and, you know, put yourself through, you know, the ringer a little bit to improve on your strength and your speed and your confidence. Uh, those things usually transcend this a little bit more success, uh, you know, with another sport when you talk about multi-faceted sports. Eric, I want to talk a little bit about your career at Nebraska and then we'll talk about this year's team. Uh, so, you you redshirted your freshman year. You had ankle surgery, but that was in 1997. What was it like? I I, I kind of hadn't realized that you were so you you were teammates with Frost, right? Like you. So what was it? What was it like to be around him every day? Well, you know, Scott was a, a natural leader, and uh, I enjoyed seeing you know that that progression of you know him coming, uh, you know, pretty much not liked in a way. Yeah, no, exactly. Um, People kind of forget about that. Back from Stanford. Right. And just his ability to, you know, overcome that obstacle, uh, is, is actually, uh, you know, says a lot about, about him as a person. Um, 
And I just, I love seeing that, you know, uh, his leadership at the quarterback position is, you know, if you look at all the teams that have had great teams, typically they've got a very good leader at the quarterback position and one that's, you know, team oriented. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I really like that about Scott. I love his toughness. I love the way he ran the football um, with his strength and his speed and size and all those things. But I think more importantly, it, it becomes his leadership ability to get everybody around him playing at a better and a higher level each each and every day. And you definitely have that. That's why he makes a great coach. What was Eric, what was your relationship like with Bobby Newcomb? Because you guys both are, you know, you're, you're competing for the starting job and then ultimately, you know, he was the guy, then you were the guy, and then he moves to 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 kind of wing back wide receiver. What was that relationship like? Well, I kind of laugh a little bit because we talk about this a lot. And, um, you know, Bobby was like one of the best athletes I've, I've ever seen. And I think, and I don't know what reason it was, whatever reason it was, he seemed to isolate himself, mm-hmm. um, you know, and I, I hated to see that because we really, really needed him on our team to, you know, communicate, socialize, be part of the team, be part of the family, the brotherhood, the locker room. And I, I just, you know, he got hurt. And I think ever since he got hurt um, his sophomore year, he really struggled. And, I think a lot of that was from his injury. Uh, it just put him in a tough spot. He probably might be the starting quarterback at Nebraska. I mean, who wouldn't? So I think he, you know, he, he had some resentment to the program um, at that time. And I ended up getting the starting job. And uh, we did we did connect. I mean, he, you, you saw there's a lot of highlights mm-hmm. of, of Bobby. And I think that uh, we we did the best job that we could. I mean, we were... Um, you know, cordial with each other. Uh, you know, we communicated. Uh, we had to try a little bit harder maybe than, you know, what most players had to do to kind of have a, a good relationship that helped us succeed on the football field. Um, you know, but it, but it wasn't an easy task. And because I think we were both very competitive people. Um, but, you know, I'm happy to see that, that Bobby has, is giving back. He's coaching football. Um, I didn't know if he would do that, but I'm really happy to see that. I'm sure he's a, a wonderful coach. Seen a few interviews uh, down in Arizona of him uh, with his high school football program, and he's, you know, he he's he came he came from the Osborne era and the Solich era, and these guys are, you know, about life, and um, obviously the game of football uh, has a huge impact on the type of person you can become, and I see that he's in, instilling those great qualities in his players, so I'm very happy and. And uh, hopefully, uh, one of these days, I'll get a chance to reconnect with him. Yeah, that's cool. I, what What was it like for you when you weren't the starter and you were the backup? Because Noah Vedrill's now kind of dealing with that, understanding that you're you're really one play away from being out there, and so it's it's hard. You got to prepare each week, not knowing necessarily what could or or might not happen. What what's that process? What was that process like for you? I know you ultimately you know seized the job and you were the man, but there was a period where it was kind of you, you and Bobby kind of didn't know who was going to be the starter and or what was going to happen. Yeah, it was almost a year and a half of my career at Nebraska that I lived that life every day. Yeah, and um, my whole entire freshman year was like that. They didn't name a starter until you know the night before the game or the day of the game. Mm. Um, so that that put us in a pretty competitive position, 
And, uh, you know, I remember, you know, Bobby and Monty and Frankie and myself and, you know, we're, we're all going through this, uh, this competitive battle every week between four players. And, um, you know, it was just, let's see who has the best week and let's go with that guy. Um, I remember getting the starting job, you know, eight of those 11 weeks. And I think a lot of that had to do with just, you know, preparation for the game during the week of practice. And then obviously the, the more opportunity you get in a game, then you get to see, okay, this guy can really do it in a game situation, not just practice, but would excel more even in a game type situation. So I think that gave me the edge. Um, but, uh, you know, obviously when, when you're not the guy, you have to be ready because, uh, you never know. Maybe it's one, maybe he's not playing well and all of a sudden you're in. Maybe he gets hurt like Martinez did or Bobby Newcomb gets hurt and I get my chance and you've got to be ready. And so it's a very, it's probably the most difficult position on the team as a backup QB because you have to be just as prepared and you may not have the reps in practice, but you have to be ready to go out and continue to lead your offense down the field. And uh, that can be a really tough job. Yeah. I, it's a, uh... Uh, when, when you think about when you ultimately did take the you know you, you're you're the guy you're the you're the starter when when did the when did it all really click for you confidence wise like when when did the confidence really explode at Nebraska for for you and being like man I'm not just I can not only can I play I can be like a, a big time difference maker here probably my third game of my sophomore year when I was named the starter finally kind <laughs> 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 of win. I think that's when I was like, okay, I think uh, now it's now it's time to set all this this stuff aside and move forward um, as as the man, as the leader, as the quarterback. And you know, I, I looked at it as almost a sense of relief um, mm-hmm. in a way that like, okay, now I now I don't have to be on pins and needles to make a mistake. Now I can go take maybe more risks than I was willing to take before uh, to make bigger plays happen and uh, not feel like I was going to be uh, you know sat on the bench for it. So I think it, it just it freed me up in a way uh, to play with with little fear um, of making any mistakes. And you know I think our best season, obviously, actually, our best team, our best year was probably '99, my sophomore year. Yeah, uh, we lost a, a, a heartbreaker down in Austin that we could have easily won. Um, but if we if we probably would have won that game, my guess is we probably would have went on to play a national title and win it that year. I mean, you guys were great that year. I, what's what's that like now? Because the one thing I've I, I've talked about is I think I think Frost is a players' coach, and I think a lot of people use that cliche, and they and it, people kind of don't know exactly what they mean by that. And one of the things that players' coach means is he under he truly understands what it's like to play and understands the mindset of a player. And a part of that is allowing your guys to go play through mistakes to. Uh, to not be looking over their shoulder, but there always is that line too, Eric, of like you, you, you know, there has to be consequences for not playing well too. As I'd imagine that's kind of interesting now that you're looking at it from the outside looking in where it's like, you understand everything you just said, if you didn't have to look over your shoulder, but there's also that element of like, well, this guy's not getting it done. Those are kind of two things you have to balance. That's kind of challenging about being a coach. You know, I see it. I agree. I think there's another side to being a player's coach. I think that's just, being real with your players and being able to talk to them all. Um, I don't think all head coaches, you know, have these, um, you know, great relationships with their players. And sometimes I feel like, you know, the head coach is going to be willing to, 
you know, spend a little extra time, uh, whether it's, you know, um, in the meeting room, whether it's outside in the hallway of, uh, you know, whether it's on a walk from the stadium to the practice field, maybe it's during practice that you're spending a little time getting to know some of the players. And, and I think Scott does that. And I think that's where the players really, you know, obviously he played there. He's won a national title. I mean, they, they, they know that, but to really respect your coach and to have a relationship with him is, is different. And I think that's where, uh, you know, Scott will uh, be able to say he's a player's coach. We saw how emotional University of Central Florida players were um, when, you know, he announced that he was going uh, to leave and come to Nebraska. And, uh, you know, we saw that on national television, and it was really cool. You knew he was going to be bringing that same type of culture to Nebraska. And I think that's what we're all excited about seeing. What did you have that relationship with? Was it Coach Solich? Was it was it Turner Gill? Did you did you feel ultimately when you were the guy? Did you were you able to settle in and really feel comfortable with those guys? Absolutely. I mean, obviously, you know, I knew Tom Osborne and he helped recruit me, but he left after my freshman year, um, and I've actually had a better relationship with Coach Osborne uh, afterwards. But my relationship with Turner Gill um, and and Frank Solich, you know, uh, was you know, very good. Um, you know, at the beginning, uh, I was in this competitive situation and, you know, they were great. You know, they, they were very honest and, uh, that's, that's what I respect uh, about them. And, you know, they let us go out and, and compete. I mean, they could have picked the guy and said, that's it and never looked back. Um, but they let us compete and I think they wanted to put the best, best player on the field and that's how I got on it. And that's how I earned it. The the 2001 season, uh, you know, unfortunately, I, I I know you've talked about this a million times, but I got to ask you about Black 41 Flash Reverse. I mean, it's one of the five most <laughs> yeah, iconic yeah. plays in Nebraska football history. Uh, g- give me, I mean, when was it installed? When? What did you think when you first saw the play? Did you think you were going to run it in that game? What? G- give me something on Black 41 Flash Reverse. Well, we came into meetings on Monday, and uh, Frank Solich had uh, you know had the. Uh, Screen down. This is when we had, you know, we were working to pull down screens yep. to projector. So he pulls the screen down, and uh, you know, we're all having a meeting, and he's going through, you know, special teams, and we get the offensive strategy, and up goes the screen, and here's this play on the board. He says, "This is, you know, um, black flash, forty reverse pass, and this is how we're going to run it. And this is how it's going to work." And you know, kind of looked around, and and, uh, and then he showed a video. And the video uh, was the history of Nebraska and Oklahoma and how many trick plays had actually been in this history. And if you ever had time to look at it, I mean, there was a lot more trickery in this matchup than I'd ever seen in my life. And so I understood kind of what was happening. And I think Oklahoma understood that too because they put this, almost the same exact play in and ran it in our game before we ran ours. Mm-hmm. And so I always say it's it's, it's impressive that uh, we both had very similar trick plays in in the game. Ours happened to work. However, we preface that by saying it never worked during the week of practice. So it was either an interception, a fumble, bad timing, an incomplete pass, it never worked. So uh, we scratched it. You know, Coach Solich said it's out. It's out of game plan. We're not going. We're not going to use it. And then Coach Taylor goes, "Yeah, it's right. It's out." So anyway, in the game. Um, Frank Phillips calls the play, and I really tried my best to not turn around and say, "Well, this isn't in the playbook." You know? <laughs> it's not in the game plan, coach. 
I didn't want to get in an argument. You know, I don't want to chip anybody off that some trickery was coming. So they had to kind of play it, you know, like right. uh, you had to be an actor there. Well, anyway, the rest is history. It, uh, Mike stunts through a beautiful pass, you know, um, he always had the tightest spiral, you know, mine's a wobbler. <laughs> he's got the tightest spiral out there. And I just remember that ball, he's left-handed. So it hits my hands and kind of jumbles around a little bit. And, uh, thank God I caught that because I, you know, I can't imagine what people would be saying if I wanted to <laughs> Do you, I, I, I was in the stands and you talk to people like, I mean, that's, uh, not all roars from, uh, Memorial Stadium crowd are created equal. What did the roar feel like as you were the one making the play? Did it feel like, were you like, wow, this is louder than usual? <laughs> well, um, you know, I don't hear the crowd very often, but right. I will say that after that touchdown, um, I did, I did hear, I did hear the crowd and I knew at that point that we were going to win the football game. Oh yeah. And it wasn't a doubt in my mind. And so I mean, it was pretty tight. I mean, it was only up by three or something, but, after that score, I was, I was, I mean, we were, our energy was at an all time high. Our defense was playing extremely well. And, um, you know, I don't think we had the best offensive day. It was a very defensive day. Uh, I don't know how many yards we had rushing, but it wasn't like the best of the best. I mean, Oklahoma had very good defense that year. And, uh, we were just lucky. I mean, it was the biggest win that I remember being part of. Um, and it was great to have it in Memorial Stadium there in Lincoln. You know, Oklahoma was ranked number one. So it doesn't get any better than that. I'm studying the number one team in the country. Absolutely. How, how much did you think about the Heisman during the, the 2001 season? Was it, was it a goal? Was it something you thought about? It wasn't a goal. I tried not to think about it. You know, people would bring it up often and, and I would always kind of have a rebuttal of, and no, I don't even want to win that. You know, just weird things like that that yeah. I would say to try to keep my mind off of any personal or team or any type of trophies or awards that are given out at the end of the season. Um, I just wanted to, I just wanted to play the game. I just wanted to compete. I just wanted to win. I wanted to be the best prepared team and player that I could be. And uh, I just figured that all those things would just, they would settle every year they do. You know, the vote, the vote doesn't really matter. And, um, you know, I just was able to leave it in their hands and enjoy the atmosphere and walked away with pretty good hardware. You know, I, in in kind of our culture, there, there are only a few really iconic, prestigious honors or awards someone could get, whether it's an Oscar or a Grammy and... I mean, the Heisman Trophy is is on that list. How how life altering is it now that you're uh, n- now that you've had it? Gosh, for almost uh, almost uh, twenty years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. You know, thanks for pointing that out. By the way, <laughs> your um, hairline still looks good, you know, Eric. It still looks you. Got, you still got that rock solid <laughs> hairline, man. You still look like you can go out there and, yeah, and do it. Well, I'm, I'm going to try to bank on that as long as I can. <laughs> uh, you know, I. I'm very, uh, I'm, I'm, you know, every day is different with the trophy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity. I've got to meet some incredible people. Um, you know, I thought about making a list of all the people that I've met over the years, and it's just, I, I stopped at one point. Like, I, I can't do this. It's, I met some, I just met people that I never thought that I would meet. Um, being invited back and welcoming the, the new winner and then meeting, you know, maybe a, a, a previous winner that I haven't met 
has always been a lot of fun too. And just getting to know those guys and hear their stories and see how similar we all were at that time in our, our careers, the things that we were doing. And then also even afterwards, I mean, we still all have something in common and uh, it's a, it's a really good group of guys that, you know, come together and, 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 and have fun. Yeah. And, uh, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a good thing to be part of. I'm, I'm very thankful. Uh, I, I do always want to mention that it, I would have never been able to do that, uh, or receive that award without a great coaching staff and incredible teammates and a great university. It's just that, uh, you know, I, I want to make sure that people do understand that football is not a one man show. Right. Um, it, it, it is the ultimate team sport and that's why the university also receives a trophy uh, as well. Uh, I, I, we're going to get to the season here after this question, I, but I wanted to, I wanted to get your thoughts on this. I, I've being the quarterback at Nebraska is an unbelievable honor, but it comes with an immense amount of pressure and scrutiny. I mean, if you're the if you're the starting quarterback at Nebraska, you're instantly one of the five biggest names in the state of Nebraska. You understand that, Eric? What what was that like for you? What what's that? What's that? that burden like that pressure like because i think there's some people that deal with it better than others and it's a, that's a real thing take me back to you know 1998 99 2000 2001 what was that like for you uh you know my first road game was cal berkeley in 98 you know when i got out there i was scared to death um of just i was hurt I had a pulled hamstring, and I had to go out there on the road and win a football game. And I was I was nervous. I didn't sleep for two or three days. Um, definitely didn't sleep the night before the game. And I walked outside, and when I was outside the stadium for the first time, I noticed that there were more Nebraska fans uh, than their fans. And that's when I took a deep breath, and I said, you know what? They're on our side. And so at that point, I never, I didn't really feel the pressure from anywhere in the state or in the country. Uh, it was just a great feeling to know that you have support from the outside, whether it was media, fans, you know, kids, moms, dads, you name it. Um, you just, you just had a tremendous amount of support. Right. And uh, I didn't really ever think that pressure is never a word in my vocabulary. I didn't ever think about that. I was just, I, I, I folk, I just laser focused in on, um, becoming a better football player and, uh, you know, keeping my teammates tight and coaches tight and making sure that I was, you know, dead set and focused on things that were going to help us become the best football team that we could. Yeah. And started having, I started having fun. And when you're starting to have fun, you know, and, and, you're, and you're working hard and you're winning football games and you're training at the highest level. There's just something that takes the pressure off. And I, I couldn't imagine, I mean, because that's not the case right now. And so I think that, I think they are feeling a little bit of pressure to try to be what we once were. And I think Scott's got a, you know, a tough job right. to relay that message to the players that, you know, Let's just take this one step at a time. I mean, we're not going to, you know, win a national championship this year, you know, and just and just let those let those players, those kids, just play loose and have fun and 
and, and, and feel good about playing college football and being at that position that they're at in their life because it does go by very fast. Yeah, I mean, that's a perfect segue into uh, this year, and, and I really wanted to kind of pick your brain on Adrian Martinez. Um, you know, because sometimes we project these narratives. He looks nervous. He doesn't look comfortable or whatever. I mean, sometimes, I don't know. I mean, that's just what it what it may look like through the TV screen. We don't know that to necessarily be true or not. But I don't know. There, the, there is some times where I don't feel like he's looked quite as comfortable. What are you seeing? As a guy that's played the position, what, what have you seen from Martinez here in the first six games? Yeah, I think I've seen and, and thought about all those things, too. Um, you know, I think a lot of it uh, has to do with uh, timing. I mean, I really haven't seen uh, their timing uh, as good as that was last year. We all know he's got incredible athleticism and control of his throw, and he makes some incredible throws. And he's got a nice, strong arm, and he's smart and intelligent, great leader. Um, I think what I've seen that's just missing is just chemistry with you know, several of his receivers. Um, you know, having Stanley Morgan last year, I think, helped. They had pretty good chemistry. You know, one guy can make a big difference. Um, I think uh, Wondell Robinson is an amazing athlete. He's going to be a superstar at Nebraska. Um, Spielman, I mean, I just, whatever it is, you know, if you start getting hit and hit and hit and hit, that's what you start thinking about back there. And, um, I just, I really hope that uh, we start to see him get rid of the ball a little bit sooner, throw some shorter timing throws just to get comfortable. Um, and then that's when that opens up that big play downfield. We all know that he can make those plays. So I believe in him. Right. And I think he's uh, going to do really well at Nebraska and have a tremendous career. Um, obviously, staying healthy is a big part of that. I mean, you can ask Bobby Newcomb, you can ask other guys, you can ask me. I mean, I lived in the training room. I got beat up. I had six or 700 carries in Nebraska. I understand it. And so you got to be able to, you know, stay injury-free. Otherwise, um, you know, there's the next man up philosophy. And especially at Nebraska, especially at Nebraska, you have to have a quarterback, number two, that can go in and just as effectively run this offense. Yeah, I, you know, because you uh... – I think it's always it's always you want to find whether it's a short passing game or sometimes I think for for Martinez it's when he gets a couple of good runs under his belt he he kind of settles in too. What wh- where do you come out of that? Because you bring up the fact that you had you know six seven hundred carries, uh, six or seven hundred carries. I think I looked it up in two thousand one. You averaged a little over sixteen a game was what I think it, it ultimately uh, it averaged out at. What. Where do you see the whole dynamic of kind of being careful about running your quarterback too much versus ultimately he's a really good runner and you want to find some rhythm in that regard? How do you balance that as someone that, you know, not only ran the ball as a quarterback, but ran it tough? Well, I mean, it's different now. I will say that. I mean, we had, you know, a bunch of running backs too that, that were able to carry the load and, you know, average three or four yards or more a carry, and that helped me. Um, stay on the field. Um, but, you know, I don't, I think that's one thing that we've been missing is kind of like a lot of depth at the running back position. And now that we've been throwing the ball a lot over the last decade, um, you know, that running back position, I'm, I'm excited to see it come back. I mean, mm-hmm. we, we, I think we've got some good ones and, um, 
they probably, obviously, I would vote from the philosophy is if, if you're going to be successful throwing the football, then you definitely have to be successful running it. So I think that's where we get sometimes put in a situation where maybe we're not running the ball as well as we want to. And then that puts an added pressure on the throwing game. Um, there's so many things in football. Maybe we're not getting enough on first and second so that we're in some easy throws on third. Uh, or maybe even running the football on third down for first. So, um, I mean, I'm, I'm not criticizing. Right. No, I'm no. saying what I'm seeing. And I know the staff down there is working to get better and, you know, coaching guys up and it's getting, you know, more talent and working with the talent that you have and coaching those guys up. And look, I, I've got the most respect for this coaching staff. So I think they're doing a great job and it's just going to take some time. How, the high, you bring up timing and, and different things. How much do you think the high snaps uh, for Martinez have kind of thrown things off a little bit? Oh, no doubt about that. You've got to have consistent snaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, you're jumping up for a snap or you're moving to the side. That disrupts everything. Um, I know we got a young center. Uh, I know that he hasn't played that position very, very long. So, um, you know, that's a tough one, too. Yeah. You know, so you start, you start saying, okay, there's the snap. There's the inconsistency in the room game. There's, you know, uh, maybe we're third and long too much, okay? Uh, maybe there's a little bit more pressure because the quarterback gets. All those things add up. And, um, you know, penalties don't help. Um, I've, I've yes. seen too many penalties this year. And these are they're, you know, pretty, they're a pretty disciplined team. So I think that's something that they definitely want to keep working on. Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I again, for the record, I'm I'm all in on Martinez. I think the kid's a, a stud. Like he's shown you flashes, and he showed you a lot last year. And and I think they're just for whatever reason, it's you know Stanley Morgan not being there, maybe some high snaps. Uh, and you, like you said, you get hit a few times, you start kind of thinking about some things. It feels like there's just been kind of a lot of lot working against him for him to find a rhythm and a flow. Uh, but I I. I'd, I believe in this coaching staff. I think they're ultimately going to get the necessary pieces around him for him to flourish. And so I still am really excited about what old number two is going to be able to do uh, ultimately at Nebraska. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm with you on that one too. Uh, I think that I, I hope he's got a, an injury that's, uh, yeah. you know, able to recover here and get back on the field, you know, for the team. Uh, in the meantime, I, I do feel like uh, Noah, Zedrill will be that guy where he can come in and run this offense. You know, he's been with Scott um, for a while, and he seems mature. And when I've seen him uh, get in the game, I've seen him, um, you know, run with some intensity and some um, decisiveness, and I really like seeing that. Uh, he's got some good wheels. He's athletic. He can throw the ball. I, I think that will uh, definitely help uh, Nebraska down the stretch or you know, yeah. this week, even. Yeah. I mean, uh, you need two guys. There's just no way about it. Yeah. And the thing that's also probably because you, I mean, it's what we talked about with, with your career. Like, he, at least right now, Vedral can have an entire week where he, you know, who knows what's going to happen on, on Saturday with the game, but he can kind of start mentally really preparing himself like he truthfully is going to be the guy. What would, if you could talk to Vedral, like, what would you, any advice that would maybe help him out as he's going to be able to potentially get his very first start? Yeah, I you know I just keep doing what he's doing. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure he prepares well. Uh, you can tell because he comes in and he performs. But I think he he knows how to prepare. He understands it. It's about going out and just playing football. 
having some fun. You know, let your hair down and, and, and smile the whole time. You're going to get hit. That's part of the game. Uh, you're not going to make every throw. That's part of the game. Shoot, you might even have a fumble or a turnover. But part of the game is coming back and throwing a touchdown pass after something bad happens or getting the first down or, um, you know, getting some, something big for your team, running somebody over, putting your shoulder down and getting your team jacked up and changing the, the momentum of the game. And I think he can do that. Yeah. I, I really believe in that. And I think that, you know, if he, if he plays like, like he has in the past, everybody knows what he's capable of. He's going to believe in himself. I, I'm sure his teammates do, and, and he'll be just fine. You know, Eric, we talk about, uh, you know, a lot of people I think had the year two uh, Central Florida thing in their head combined with how, how the, the season finished last year and and, and people set an a expectation level that maybe was too high. Um, and I think most Husker fans understand that this is going to be a process. Uh, but I think there has been progress, Eric. I think there's three games this year that I don't know if they would have won last year. I don't know if they beat Northwestern like they did this this past weekend. Illinois on the road to have to come back from 14 down. Uh, even the South Alabama game, you, you never know. So I... I guess for you, do you, I've seen progress. What what kind of progress has jumped out to you so far here in a season and a half with Frost's arrival? We already have four wins. That's progress. Yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I, mean, I think that it some some things may not be noticeable, you know, to the common fan or or maybe even some of the media. But uh, they're still building a culture, and, and there's still a lot of players on that team that were part of the past. And um, to get everybody to fully buy in and to fully understand it, it it does take. I mean, I I hate to be the cliche and say it, but it's just it's, it's it takes time, yeah. and um, it's a process, and it doesn't have to. I mean, you talk about the process. I mean. It took Coach Osborne how many years for him to win a you know national titles and play like that in the '90s? I mean, many years. And so it's not easy to do, and, and it, it could take it could take ten years. Yeah, I mean it could. Mm-hmm. I mean everybody wants it to happen in year two, and I do too. I got my hand up right now. I mean that, that's me <laughs> right now. I want it, but uh, it, it's. It's not. It's not there yet, and I think every one of us sees it, especially after a game against the. You know, now many people think Ohio State is the best team in the country, and and, and my opinion is they they did look like that. Yeah, and they have looked like that, and they probably are one of the top three teams in the country. One of them, and so that's that's the you know the what we're up against and where we need to get to, and it's really good for us to play teams like that so that we see. You know what what it's going to take and where we need to go, and talk about timing and team chemistry and athleticism and strength and speed and and just how they run and operate during the game. And so uh, we're learning from all those things. And you know, I just expect that every week we do something a, a little bit better, right? Um, and a little bit play with a little bit more heart and intensity, and so that will start to change. I, I think there's no question that from a progress standpoint, I think the defense has taken a big step. I think what Janander's done with that group, and it's largely the same guys uh, that from a year ago. I think that that team is, is or that side of the ball is is dramatically improved as a quarterback. Like when you watch this Nebraska defense now, what would be tough about going against this Blackshirt defense because they are a pretty aggressive crew. 
Yeah, they create, you know what, they, they move around well. Um, you know, uh, the secondary, I mean, one of the things I've noticed at Colorado game is these, these guys are flying. And I, I like seeing that from a defense, just playing, you know, uh, get to your reads fast. I mean, play fast. I mean, even if you don't quite know where you're going, just go fast. You know, full <laughs> yeah. Um, that, that can just, just playing at a high level, a very high level of energy, uh, and low. And, you know, that, that, that's one thing I've noticed, um, this year is just getting last year. Sometimes we, in years in the past, we just weren't even close to being able to make a play, but I see we're getting closer to the ball. We are in a position, in a better position to make a play. And we're not always making the play that we probably need to make but we're getting closer to being in the right position to make those plays. And you're seeing, you're seeing that now with our um, turnover ratio. Yep. You're seeing that now with the takeaways. And uh, I, I think Shenander's group is, you know, hats off to what those guys are still doing and working towards, because if we improve off that, uh, that could be a, a, a really, um, you know, cool thing to see this black shirt's name and scene and, start to come alive again do a little rapid fire here kind of a deal to wrap this up eric i appreciate your time i i, I guess at first, are you at peace with your career i mean college wise i'm sure the answer is a resounding yes you won the freaking heisman but you know in the nfl obviously it, there was kind of the position change and then you you just you couldn't catch a break with your with with staying healthy uh are you at, are you at peace with everything now Oh yeah, I mean absolutely. I've got I've got a good life. I've got you know wonderful wife and kids, and you know, it's a nice small business, and uh, great friends and family, and you know that's what you need to kind of get through some of those tough times. Did my football career be able to go the way that I planned it? Completely, absolutely not. Um, but I I met some great people. Uh, I tried and tried and tried to to do everything that I could to play this game the longest I could, and that's what I recommend to everybody who is, uh, has any doubt in their mind what they want to do uh, when it comes to playing for play it as long as you can because you know, it's something that at some point in life when you turn, you know, I mean, there's Tom Brady and there are a few guys that turn over 40 and they can still get it done. But it's it's an anomaly. It doesn't happen too often. So you play this game as long as you can so you never look back and you never say, what if, what if I did that? What if I did this? Right. You know, you always want to be able to answer the question. And, and I did that. I answered it. And I said, you know what? I did everything I had. For as long as I could, and um, you know, I've, I've got, I've got nothing I'm holding back for that. What if, if you kind of had to sum up in a couple of sentences your your criteria for your Heisman vote? What 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 kind of gets your vote when you look at things? Because that's some people just oh, it's the best player on the best team. It's just like how do you approach it now? And there's been years where I've, I mean, I I approach it. I, I try to do my best in, in following. Um, the mission and, you know, a person of integrity, yep. great leader, uh, good in the classroom, a winner on the football field, uh, great teammate, um, you know, and it, it always comes down to who, you know, I got to do my research. You know, if I'm really going to make the best educated vote, I've got to look at who is the best player in the country. And there's been times I've voted where, you know, names are names are on my ballot that probably weren't even invited. Um, you know, to you know, there's many people that have that vote that, that aren't aren't even invited. Um, but I've done that several times where I felt like this guy was the best for these reasons. Well, 
know, maybe he didn't have, he had the, the most rushing yards in the country or close to it, but didn't have the lines, it didn't have the line yeah. or didn't have the, the team or the defense, you know, and this guy really, man, if you put him in, in, with Alabama as a line, can you imagine? Or, or you, you put this guy, you could pretty much say that, okay, well, if we put this guy in Alabama, and everybody's a Heisman Trophy winner. <laughs> um, you got to break it down, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, but there's there's some criteria out there. I, give me the uh, under the radar great player you played with at Nebraska. Like, there's got to be. There's always someone that maybe people don't give enough love for. Was there a, a a guy on defense, a running back, a fullback? Was give, give me a guy that that you was just a stud that maybe doesn't get enough run. Wow. Um, you know, there were a lot of those guys. I mean, that's, it's just, honestly, it's hard to name one because there were so many of those guys on Nebraska's team that, you know, we had walk-ons that could have started. You had, you know, second and third uh, team guys that were right close. I mean, you, you know, when we had 200 players on the team, you know, you throw the second team out there, and it was like we never missed a beat. Right. They're still dominating. Um, there was, I mean, it, it'd be hard to, it, it, honestly, I, that's one question you got me stumped because I had been there on a lot. And uh, really a hats off to all those guys that, you know, worked so hard, but really probably didn't see the field as much as they did go to. Yeah, yeah. I was going through some of the rosters, just going through, and it's like, man, baller, 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 baller. You oh, know, just, Scott Shanley. Scott Shanley didn't play a whole lot in Nebraska. Had a great NFL career. Yeah, yeah. Isn't that amazing? It, it is. Yeah, it's it's just a the depth the depth that that existed there late in in, in the nineties late nineties early two thousands was just uh, incredible. Um, did you did you like broadcasting? Did you enjoy it? I did. Yeah, I enjoyed it. I think it was a lot of fun. I liked being at the live games, being yeah. up in the booth. Um, didn't enjoy the studio stuff as much. Um, I, I liked the excitement of the game and interviewing the players and coaches and, and getting pre- prepared for game day. That was a that was a lot of fun for me. Yeah, it's it's you know because what I do with college basketball, it's it's a way to stay around the game. You know, like it's just yeah. you kind of get your. Yeah. There's nothing like playing, but you get your fix. Um, I tell exactly. you what, exactly. As a as a father of a, a three year old daughter, I got to give you a big. You're you're doing you're doing impactful playground equipment work because her like my whole <laughs> basically my daughter every day is like we got to go to the park, we got to go to the park, we got to go to the park. I mean, how how is that business Good. going, man? Is it going is it going well? Yeah, yeah, it's, it's been a good business for us. We cover South Dakota and Nebraska, so we do some drive time and hit the windshield and all that. But we end up, what I've said many times is that it's been a great way for, I didn't realize that this, uh, the business aside, but I didn't realize that I would get a chance to go to all these small towns um, where you've got great people, great Husker fans, and be able to just, you know, say thank you to them and give back and work on projects and it's been really neat for me to uh, travel this this area of geography for us because it's uh, it's given back to my business and it's supported our employees and my family and um, it's been a lot of fun. We've really enjoyed doing what we do. So, you know, again, I appreciate you doing this and it, it, people don't know that. So my cousin is Mick Botner. Mick and you are longtime buddies. So, I mean, was this, was this mm-hmm. a, the ultimate favor for Mick? Like, did he give you that text? Like, Hey, my annoying cousin wants you to come on his <laughs> no. podcast. Was that what this was, Eric? No, 
Not at all. Not at all. But, you know, he, you know, Nick's had an influence on me. Yeah. He's a good guy. <laughs> Known for a while. Yeah. I, I, uh, th- there's no doubt. Uh, well, th- this was great, Eric, man. I, uh, I'm a huge fan. Uh, you're, you're, you're my all time favorite quarterback at, at, at Nebraska. Oh, thank you. Yeah. It, it was so much fun to watch you play. This was a thrill to kind of pick your brain. Hopefully we can do it again, man. Absolutely. Thanks again for having me on. Thanks, Eric. Hail Varsity Radio, every weekday afternoon from 4 to 6 p.m. On Thursday, show from counterread.com, Brandon Vogel, former Colorado football head coach Gary Barnett, and staff writer for The Athletic, Mitch Sherman, that and more. Hail Varsity Radio is the best sports talk radio show around. Chris Schmidt and Elijah Herbal have you covered every weekday, 4 to 6 p.m. with Hail Varsity Radio.